Thanks for tuning in for Gospel Solutions for Families. This show is all about offering practical, relevant tips for raising children in faith. I'm your host, Amy Iverson. Thank you for joining us. Today, we are talking about raising our kids to be independent. I want to start with this great quote from Elder Neil A. Maxwell, who said in a 1990 October conference, those who do too much for their children will soon find that they can do nothing with their children. So many children have been so much done for, they are almost done in. So how do we keep our kids from being done in? I'm joined today by two fantastic women with a lot of insight on this. Sister Jean B. Bingham, first counselor in the primary general presidency. Sister Bingham has two daughters, grandchildren, and along with her husband has been a foster parent to many. She also has her master's degree in teaching. Also here today is Marilee Boyack, author of The Parenting Breakthrough and Will My Child Be Ready? Missionary Prep for Moms. Thank you both for being here so much. You know, independence is a powerful word. And I know that some people perceive that positively, some people negatively. In your research, Marilee, what have you found most people think about independence and how they teach that to their kids? Well, I think it is a difficult thing because on the one hand, we want our children to be successful, capable adults. And I think that's kind of how we perceive independence. Can they take care of themselves, have a successful adult life? Uh, but it's kind of hard, especially as a mama, you know, to transition that and teach that and, and help our kids move toward that because there's this separation and there's this loss as well. And so that's always kind of a changing dynamic in the family. But I think, you know, pretty much every family and every parent wants their child to have that core of independence. Yeah, I think so too. And Sister Bingham, what about, it can become <clears throat> negative, I think, if if you let your child maybe take too much control. There's a difference between an independence and then them kind of taking over. You know, it's interesting. We all want independent adults. We don't necessarily want independent small children. <laughs> <laughs> we see so often little children that rule the roost. And that's the challenge, is how do we channel, channel that need for independence, that, that strong-willed child, to learn the things they need to learn so that they can actually become independent as an adult? I know that um, you talked a little bit about that, how parents need to be the parents, not let their kids take over, right? <laughs> that's Absolutely. hard to do sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it's easier just to let them do whatever they want to do. Um, we know that independence is important to our Heavenly Father. And Marilee, you have the best analogy here of how we know that Heavenly Father wants us to be independent. <laughs> I share this with my clients from time to time when they have a child living at home who's you know in their 40s or 50s. Um, I call this my Garden of Eden uh, analogy where... Um, you know, Adam and Eve made a mistake and Heavenly Father didn't say, just hang out in the garden a little longer. It's hard out there. It's expensive. You know, uh, it's, um, it's challenging. Why don't you just stay here and, and hang out for a while? And, and, you know, he never said that. He said, nope, out you go. Um, and, and I use it with my clients and I say, we need to strengthen our children and send them out the door to face the hard challenges of life because they're going to learn by that experience. Um, and they're going to grow from that experience, and, and we shouldn't shield them from that. You know, Satan, on the other hand, wants to remove all the consequences to our behavior. And, and so I say, which method are we going to choose? You know, let's go with Heavenly Father's uh, method of raising children, and, and that is to send them on their way and encourage them to face those challenging experiences in their life. Do you agree, Sister Bingham? Heavenly Father wants us to be independent. Oh, Absolutely. When you think about um, the 
the underlying principle of agency that we must choose, and that's how we learn. That's what this life is geared to do, is to help us to learn to make the best choices. If we're not independent, we cannot make those choices. So he, he, he's given us that gift of agency so that we can become independent. And I know we're going to talk about this a little later, too, but that spiritual independence, too, that we can gain from Heavenly Father is super important for us to teach our kids. Now, um, as we do that, I know that there are consequences. This is an issue I'm having with my kids right now. So we let them choose, but then they don't get to choose the consequences. That's the catchphrase, right? So how do you parent that child? Marilee, maybe you can start us off, who is strong-willed, that younger child. What is the best way to kind of make sure they're still doing what you ask and, and those requirements, but realizing that there are consequences for, for littles? Well, and I think training children to use their agency and, and teach them how to do that from very young ages is is really important and really effective to give them the choice of which shirt would you like, you know, which um, vegetable would you like? Do you want this or do you want this? And to get them in the habit and the rhythm of making choices um, and to make safe choices that, you know, it doesn't matter which shirt they wear, right? There's no big, huge consequence. Um, But we teach them to go through that process. Um, And then as they get older, we do have consequences apply. And I think one of the things that we need to be really clear about is what those consequences are. Sometimes they're vague, you know, we're like, oh man, if you keep having this tantrum in the store, you know, and then and then we go off. So uh, I think being clear about what is going to occur and then holding them to that. And, and what I like to do is step out of it as a parent. I've, I've had raised four sons, so you can imagine we dealt with strong wills. Um, and I think it's important to say, this is your choice. These are the consequences. This is up to you. It has nothing to do with me. Um, and to pull the parent out of the power equation is really effective because then, you know, when they make a choice that has adverse consequences, you're like, ah, oh, darn, you know, that's, that's too bad. And, and boy, look at these consequences. And they kind of rail a little bit and you're like, I know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised you made that choice, but okay, you know, and, and stay out of it as a parent. I think that's really helpful because we kind of get, can get sucked in a little bit. But as we stay out and allow that, agency to occur and the consequences to occur. Um, Very, very effective, I think, in the long run. That is wonderful for those younger ones. And Sister Bingham, I know that you had talked about, as they get older, involving them more in those choices and the plan and uh, letting them be more involved. And I told I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work on that with my kids because sometimes I just like to set the rules. But how helpful is it to, to get them involved in the choices? Oh, it's hugely important for them to make more choices. As they get older, they really are more capable. Sometimes parents forget that. They either want to make all the choices, and then the child is not prepared to make choices when they get older, as you say, teens, uh, or they haven't really trained them or taught them or given them experience to learn how to make choices, and yet they just turn it over and say, good luck, I hope that works for you. I think another thing that parents have a hard time with is allowing the consequences to go forward. That's hard sometimes. So hard. <laughs> you set some. You, as a parent, I think this is something we should point out. As a parent, you have to be very careful about what consequences you are choosing, and they have to be realistic. You can't say, "Hey, if if you're texting after ten, I'm taking your phone away for a year." I mean, that's not logical. And sometimes you have to really think first mm-hmm. as a parent before you think about what those consequences are going to be. You do. You have. You really have to think. And and the best really is natural consequences, things that arise from whatever the infraction is, just let those go forward. 
Um, other times, you have to be thoughtful about what are the choices to take away the privileges that they may have as part of that. But I think a lot of parents tend to say, oh, I don't want my child to suffer. So they will make up for whatever those, particularly the natural consequences, if they haven't done something they should do, the parent does it anyway, or they they allow them to have the privilege. Once a child whines and, and uh, has, a, has a challenge with that, but parents have to be reminded that they are really doing it out of love, that they're teaching, they're training, they are allowing them to learn through consequences out of love, not because they are the ogre that yeah. the child sometimes thinks they are. <laughs> I know. Right now I'm letting my, my 10-year-old suffer with a stinky bedroom because he hasn't cleaned his hamster cage. I'm letting go. that go, and it's hard for me. Um, something that you said I really liked, Sister Bingham, is that um, to use phrases as you're talking with those older kids like, have you considered... When you're talking about when they're maybe rebelling against something you would like them to do, um, involving them more that way, giving them options instead of just lying down, laying down the law. You know, that's really helpful. I have found is helping them to see other options. A lot of times kids don't have the experience to look around and say, oh, what are what are other options that I have? If you as the adult, as a parent can say, have you considered this? What would you think of? And is this another option that might work for you? A lot of times that just opens up their world and they don't feel constrained to be so negative. Yes, that is one I'm working on too. Um, There is a video going around Facebook that I've noticed a lot of my friends sharing. And I want to know your thoughts on this because it's it's this mom saying she's, she's done saving her children. So if they forget their lunch... She's not taking it to them. If they forget their homework, she's not saving them. All these ways, and like you were talking about, that you save your children uh, here or there. Is is that logical? Can we do that? Can we just let those natural consequences occur? Are they going to starve to death? I mean, (laughs) what do you think, Marilee? Yeah, I, I teach this principle. It's called not my problem or NMP. Okay. And so when it occurs, you're like, not my problem, you know. <laughs> and with the teenagers, we call it bummer, bummer. <laughs> you know, you didn't you didn't wash your PE uniform, bummer. You know, and they're like, aren't you going to do it? Bummer, no. We call that the double bummer, and it works. It's really effective, and and yeah, it's it's hard as a parent to allow those things to occur, um, but I think. We just shifted. And so instead of saying, I'm going to solve every one of your problems for you, or I'm going to remove all the consequences and the negative consequences that are occurring, um, I think if we just allow them to own that problem and say, this is your situation, this is your issue, this is your problem, we can move to a position of support and say, and you can handle it. And I believe in you. And I've seen you handle stuff like this before. And you can take care of this. And switch to uh, being empowering and supportive instead of removing uh, you know, I, I think that's super uh, strengthening for the children um, and especially for the teenagers to face those problems one after another. It's the only way they're going to learn. And I, I put this to the test recently when my, again, my 10-year-old forgot his swimsuit for swim day and I, he had to sit out and I felt awful all <laughs> day, but I was holding myself to my chair not to run his swimsuit. But I had told him, you know, to take it several times. And Sister Bingham, do you agree we just need to stop saving our children sometimes? I do. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a time for mercy. Mercy, yeah. You know, you know, there, there are times when you'll know by the Spirit what the child needs, and they have learned the lesson that they need to learn without having to experience the full consequences. But by and large, we really are doing them a favor. We really are empowering them. We're giving them the message, you can handle it. 
you are capable and you can do hard things and it's going to work out. If we always solve the problem, they never learn that. And when they get on their own, I can't do it. Talk a little bit more about that um, as parents using the spirit to parent. I think that can be hard sometimes, especially when you're in the heat of something. Um, How important is that for us to use the spirit and how do we do that best? It is critical. I have found that. I've made lots of mistakes, lots of mistakes in parenting. But the the best times I've had are when I I, um, ask for help from the Spirit, from our Heavenly Father. I remember one time one of my um, college-age daughters was making some poor choices. And I had it all decided what I was going to give her, what I was going to tell her, what she needed to do. And and I had prayed before she called. And we had a conversation entirely different. I said entirely different things to her, and the conversation ended up beautifully. She felt supported. She learned what she needed to learn. It wasn't me. It was the Spirit. So I think that's really critical that, yes, we plan, we prepare ourselves, but we, we always ask the Spirit every day, help me to teach this child what thou would have him or her learn. I think that's a switch that many of us could make instead. I think we all pray for our children. And maybe um, more of the prayers need to be for ourselves to be able to parent them a little better. Um, Marilee, talk about parenting with the Spirit. Well, and, and I think one of the things that you can do is allow yourself time. Sometimes, we're, as you said, we're in the heat of the moment. I call that the shaken soda can. You don't open it up when it's been shaken. You know, it's not a great time to say, well, let's have a serious conversation. It's 1130 at night. You've blown your curfew. Not a great thing. And so I think it's wonderfully acceptable and, and, and helpful to say to the child, we're both upset right now. Let's ponder this, and I'm going to pray about it, and we'll talk about it later. And to step back from that situation when it, things are, are escalating, um, and to tune to the Spirit. And I think one of the things we need to have confidence in is Heavenly Father sent these children to us for a reason. He knows and has um, uh, is um, approving of and, and uh, excited about and supportive of our parenting of these children. They, they were sent to us for a reason, and I think we need to have confidence in that and Heavenly Father's confidence in us, you know what I mean? And to be able to tap into the Spirit and just be listening all the time. Um, and it can help in the tiniest of moments of, mm, don't say that, you know, or... <laughs> Deep breaths. Yeah, exactly, yes. or just walk away or give yourself a timeout or whatever. I mean, all those little uh, nudges of the Spirit can come to us literally all day long with our children um, if we'll stay tuned to that and, and listen to that. And it's it's not easy because our wills are very strong, but uh, I think this Heavenly Father is right there willing to be our partner in parenting these children. Yes. Can I add something to that? Of course. Um, you made me think of this. I think it's a really important thing to do because we're modeling for our children mm-hmm. as well. Good. You know, when we express that, that we are, or they see us, that we are asking Heavenly Father for help, that we are wanting to do it His way, they learn that that's really the best way to get their answers as well. Yeah. And I think praying with our children for resolution, you know, our best family prayers and, and or individual prayers of let's go pray together and to say, Heavenly Father, we don't know how to handle this, you know, and and we're, we need your guidance. And I've had some of those prayers. My kids are like, oh, wow. You know, first of all, I can't believe they're praying specifically for me. And secondly, they don't have it all figured out and they're seeking the Lord's guidance on this as well. Those can be very, very powerful prayers. I, I almost always 
pray for patience <laughs> with my children Careful when they're with me. I want, them to, I want them to hear that I'm working on it. Um, so maybe this is just because this is a lot of my world technology, but I feel like um, that is one area where kids are really struggling right now. And when I go to lunch with my friends, that's what they talk about, um, screen time, how we keep that under control. And that's a place where a lot of us, and I've counseled against this, don't give them independence on their screens, right? Limit, limit, limit. But there has to come a point where we let them make those choices with technology, too. So, Sister Bingham, what what are your thoughts about technology specifically, and how can we train them with independence on those gadgets that can be scary, that can be wonderful, but can also be scary? Uh, I guess I would go at it from a conditional independence as far as uh, technology is concerned. There are so many negative things out there that can kids can get into without even looking, without even realizing and so I think parents, we need to be really vigilant in when they're young in, well, teens too. Mm-hmm. But uh, checking, what are, they, what are they involved in? Um, children as young as, you know, two are handed the phone and they know how to play the games and, and to find videos and, and lots of things. So you, you've got to start early. But I think if you can teach the child that this is just a little part, this is just an entertainment, this is just a, a tool for um, learning, that's not, that's not my world. And that's, I think, the challenge when the child is using their, their screen time so much that they focus on that and not on individual interactions, not on um, learning. So as far as, um, I guess I would totally limit screen time. But also that can be tough because they often use those gadgets for spiritual purposes too. Teenagers, absolutely. They're reading their scriptures on those. So how do you say... Don't, you know, take, put it away on Sunday mm-hmm. because that's when they're, they're really going to be needing that for preparing a talk or. My school uh, has banned electronic scriptures in seminary because I think they just never felt like the kids were fully paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel like I got cheated because I'm, they're never going to have to figure out where all the books are in the, in the quad. <laughs> they can just scroll. But um, there does come a point where you have to give them some freedom merrily. And and I know that you have kind of some specifics about when that should happen. Yeah, we were very, very strict, I will admit it freely and openly, and, and we did not allow video games at all. Our children, our four sons, thought we were ogres. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were just like, you're the worst parents <laughs> on the planet, until they went off to college and realized what a waste of time they were. Um, and and we limited their screen time to an hour a day. Um, and, and so we had, you know, no TV until the weekend. We had a lot of very strict limitations, and we ran filters uh, my husband's a techie guy, so we were one of the first ones that had filters on all of our devices, um, which I still believe in. Um, but we cannot shield them forever, as, as you've mentioned. Uh, and I know that the church has been working quite carefully on this very topic of how do we arm our children to handle this. Um, the phrase is digital citizenship that they're using now. And I work with some organizations working on this very topic, um, on teaching the children to be good citizens online. Um, And we've got to teach some of those foundational principles. Um, And we also need to teach self-control. 
mm-hmm. because it's a dual thing. On the one hand, we want them to have a good foundation in doctrine and understanding of what's right and what's wrong. On the other hand, we also want them to be able to control themselves, that they're not glued to the device day after day after day, uh, because they've got to be prepared to go on missions and not be glued to their devices anymore. Uh, and that is can be a rough transition for many, many of our missionaries. Uh, we began kind of a transition at the age of 16. Uh, we still filtered, and we still filter to this day. Uh, uh, so we still did that, uh, but we began to transition over um, and backed off a little bit so that they learned by then, hopefully they had their self-control in place, and they learned. And, and we had open dialogue about why is this important? You know, What do you see in those around you um, who had unlimited access? And they could really clearly see the difference. So you have a lot of, I think you have a lot of dialogue before leading into that transition to help arm them. Uh, for that control. So talking about that time when those children leave the house, either for missions or for college, what uh, would you say are some of the key um, places where kids need to have that independence? I know you have some specific categories, Marilee, where where they need to have that. What are the, the important ones? Yeah, you know, when, when they handed me four sons out of the hospital, I was like, what in the world am I going to do now? I mean, you know, <laughs> I had babysat, but I didn't know what to do after that. And and so my husband and I uh, made it a very thoughtful plan of how we were going to train our children to be independent adults. Um, and we worked in a variety of categories, uh, life skills, very important. Life management, getting yourself up, uh, you know, making yourself go to bed, taking care of your personal hygiene. Um, we taught them how to do uh, self-care, um, how to care for their environment, how to clean a room, how to clean a bathroom. Super important before they go on a mission. Yeah. And what is it with boys not wanting to ever take showers? I'm, oh, yeah. so, <laughs> I don't understand that. That corrects itself when the girls start sniffing. It's okay. Um, but step after step, we, you know, really worked diligently in training our children so that they knew how to cook. They knew how to manage a bank account. Um, because nowadays we have them at, at 18, they are out the door for those young men and for the young women at 19 and they've got to be ready. They've got to be trained in those skills so that when they go to that MTC or when they go off to college, they're not spending the first six months trying to figure out how to do their laundry, you know, and how to use an ATM. We need to really work diligently, I think, as parents in, um, teaching all of those skills so that by the time they're 18, they're trained, they're ready, they've been handling a bank account for four years, they know what they're doing, um, and they can hit the ground running way better. Yeah, and Sister Bingham, talk about that too, the focus. Once they, if, if the mission is the choice, once they get out there, if they're having to deal with these other things, it's really taking away from the main focus. Oh, absolutely. Every missionary, when they go out, they're going to have to adjust to the culture, to the food, to the language, if it's different than their, their native language. So if they can have already these skills in, in, in hand, it's, they're far, far ahead. You know, I think um, I grew up in a family of mostly girls. My two little brothers were much smaller, and we had girls. So all the jobs that we had were not gender-specific, as Marilyn oh, mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you learn to mow the grass, you learn to cook an egg, and all those things in between. And I think that's so critical for missionaries to learn that if they have those skills, those basic skills of, of life management and personal independence, they will be a much better missionary. They're ready for now to focus on the spiritual rather than they're still struggling with, how, how do I wash my clothes? Mm-hmm. And I know that we mentioned earlier that you have had several foster children come through your home and that this was something you really made a point to teach them these life skills as they came through your home. 
And, you know, the funny thing is no one at the time says, oh, thank you, thank you, you know, for, <laughs> for teaching me how to do all these things. But it is interesting how many later have come back and said things like, thank you for teaching me how to clean a toilet. Thank you for teaching me how to organize my room. Yeah. You know, just these, these basic life skills that they did not have in, in their own home. In every case, you will bless a child's life when you teach them these, these principles of independence. Marilee, I know that you have some specifics about, and you've done some research and, and people can find these about, you know, what age do I do mm-hmm. what? And those are very helpful. But I, I have to think about those parents who are maybe not, they don't have small children. They they have teenagers and older and they think, oh my goodness, I have messed them up. I have, you know, it's past the point. What can you say to those parents who are are at that point. They don't have the little the little ones to start. Right. They, they're past that. They're 14, they're 16, and they're like, oh my goodness, all of a sudden they look at that calendar and say, I have a year, <laughs> I have two years, what am I going to do? But it's never too late. No, heavens no. In fact, uh, I think there's a great opportunity. Um, teenagers want to be capable, independent adults. They are so excited about it, they can taste it. And so I think sitting them down and saying, look, we know that this is your goal. We know that this is the kind of adult that you want to be. Um, let's make a list of all the things you already know how to do. And that's so empowering of, oh, you already know this, you know this, you know this. And I think the kids look at that and go, oh, wow, you know, I I think they do have a feeling of accomplishment of, well, you're right, I can brush my teeth (laughs) independently. And so we just make this just this long list and then say, now, what are the things left that you feel that you need to know to be an, uh, an adult and let them lead that discussion? You can supplement and say, well, have you thought about this and perhaps this and um, kind of generate their own planning uh, uh, document, uh, if you will, and then say, now, who can help you learn these things? I think one of the really critical things with teenagers is they're done listening to the parents by and large. And so bringing in other individuals, um, we've brought in neighbors, scout leaders, grandparents, uh, older siblings, and say, who can help you learn all these things? Um, you know, when they need to learn about finances, we took them to the financial planner and to the bank and had them talk to them. Uh, and that is really helpful, helping them put together their plan. They get actually pretty excited about it. Um, they think, you know, Wow. Uh, look at all the things I can do. Look at the things I have left. Here's my plan. I'm excited. And you say, we're here to help you and we're here to support you. Um, and they usually like that quite a bit. And it kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off the parent having to do everything. <laughs> <laughs> and Sister Bingham, that support is critical. And you used a word that I now love and will use called um, being the scaffolding for your children. Talk about that and the hope that parents can still have. Oh, as Marilee said, it's never too late. You just keep working and trying, and we all learn that. But I think scaffolding is a very important thing to do for your children at every age. Your your job is to teach them. Your job is to help them to become all they can become. And they can't do it without your help. So you're providing support. You're providing that um, teaching, that training, that encouraging uh, that that helps them to be able to become independent. That That is your job. Um, and I think bottom line that you mentioned love, how do we make sure our children know? I mean, we tell them, but how do we make sure they know that we are doing all of this out of love? Well, tell them for sure. I mean, when they're complaining about doing their chores, when they're complaining about, you know, having to do something they don't want to do and they say, how come I, because I love you. I mean, you just keep saying that and they really do believe it. I mean, they will not come back to you and until later and say that, that they recognize that. But they do recognize that when you care about them, 
you want them to be their best self. And if you um, back off, if you're fine, let them do whatever ever they want. Children tend to seek boundaries. They will just keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing until they find those boundaries. If your boundaries are love and you have expectations that you know that they can meet, they'll be more secure, they'll be happy, and they will feel that love from you. Okay. I think you guys have given us a lot of things to work on. Uh, But that's good. Things to work on, but hope that uh, we can all do it. Thank you both for these insights on fostering independence with our children. Sister Jean B. Bingham is the first counselor in the primary general presidency, and Marilee Boyack is the author of The Parenting Breakthrough and Will My Child Be Ready? Missionary Prep for Moms. And thank you for joining us. Gospel Solutions for Families. Subscribe to the podcast on churchofjesuschrist.org forward slash inspiration or the Latter-day Saints channel on iTunes.